the last scene that we had with the collie before all of this is happening is her is Faye returning from the meeting and the Discord or Zoom meeting, whichever one of them sponsors <laughs> our show, it'll be that. Um, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Skype. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Candles of Ruterra, episode 106, part two. I'm your host, Ryan, here with your other host, Hedge. Uh, it's been so long. It's been so long <laughs> since we sat down to talk about this. Oh, hey, hello there. <laughs> hello here. there. Hello uh, welcome there. back. Uh, we're continuing the bow and the kunai, the story that we've been having so much fun talking about. If you made it through the first episode, which is like 40 minutes, uh, slow clap. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, to another forty minutes of your life, it's gonna. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna hop straight into it. Yeah, we we love you, and now we're gonna just trap you here for, <laughs> for another forty. <laughs> Quick, close the door behind them <laughs> before they can run. <laughs> well, well, before they run, let's at least you know get the housekeeping out of the way. So that oh yeah, you know, we're gonna do that twice. So they, yeah, they can, can run listen. away with that. <laughs> You can listen to us everywhere. Uh, you can email us at podcastcore, that's C-O-R, at gmail.com. Uh, visit us at podcastcore.com for all of our info. Follow us on all the platforms. We appreciate that. Uh, leave a like, comment, short review. And for this one, tell a friend to understand the complexity of family by listening to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. Man, I come from a big family. If if someone can understand that complexity, I would really appreciate it because I don't. <laughs> I don't think anyone can truly understand the complexity of family. <laughs> but here we are, just false advertisement in our show. <laughs> so we're good at it. So at the, in the first part, um, we told you we broke this into three parts to make it understandable. We did the same here, uh, but we are picking up where we left off. So in this first part, we're picking up back in the Southern Valley where the youths have just stumbled across 20 Navori warriors, uh, specifically the Navori Brotherhood. And naturally, the group is looking to Faye like, what the fuck do we do? Because we're not even supposed to be here. Um, they want to decide on the next course of action. And one of the boys mentions, you know, they should inform the adults. That's the smart one. Another boy mentions we should just fight them. He's the dumb one. And yes. we get these two separations very early. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm glad. I'm glad that you know that uh, that Faye's got her an little angel and her little devil on either shoulder. <laughs> He's like, we can take them. She's like, no, there's half of us and we're children. <laughs> but but luckily, you know, she is a Kinku apprentice, so yeah. she's going to find the way to balance these two. <laughs> yeah. So Faye channels her inner canon here. Uh, and decides that not to tell the adults, but only because this will lead to a direct conflict and naturally deaths, causing more imbalance. Good, Faye. Good. She decides, though, that they need to convince the men to leave of their own volition. So how are they going to do this? Well, to do this, Faye reminds everyone about the boar plan. Hey, remember the thing we did and then we got in trouble? Well, it worked, sort of, until Kali got involved. Let's do that. But this time just remain unseen while making the sound of gray owls. And here we learn that to Ionians, this is seen as a bad omen. And the men will think this area is barren with no village and obviously cursed as well. And Faye knows that they're looking to force individuals to join the fight against foreign invaders. And this is something that I don't know if we went into detail about. 
um, in any of our other Ionian episodes. But what makes these guys the bad guys, although they're willing to kill if they have to their own people, is that they still want to fight the Noxian invasion. They, they want to protect Ionia, but in a different way. And they don't want to negotiate the way to do it, like obviously Shen, Kennen, and Mame have been doing. They will force you to help them. And if you resist, you get the bullet. And and to like kind of uh, like clean up a little bit from our last episode too, like one of the things that Kennen scouted um, while that he brought up during that meeting was a conflict at the Placidium. Uh, which is for listeners of our Irelia episode, that's where Irelia starts to really become a shining symbol of the Ionian resistance. So we know that the resistance, the spirit of resistance at this time is really strong. And we know later on that groups like the Navori, um, they decide to keep fighting and to try to get more power. So these guys, they, they're power hungry. All right. And, Anyone who's power hungry has no interest in the balance of things, which is very much against what the Kinku are about. Yeah. And, and one other thing, they're snatching children, too. So <laughs> if you're not going to join, they're going to take the kids from your village and raise them to want to fight in this, this battle. So there's a lot of bad things going on, <laughs> um, a lot of conflicts yeah. within conflicts, which is something that, once again, we're using Faye as the conduit for the confusion of so many things happening at once on a level that she can't comprehend as a 12 year old. Yeah. There's, there's, it's so deep. It's so deep, but at the same time, like you can't really think about it too much because these guys are still right in front of you and we got to figure out what the hell we're going to do. Because every second that passes is another step they take towards us. So the mission begins and Faye gets ahead of it this time by giving Akali an actual job, um, which is to stay hidden Stay at the edge of the valley, and then if things go bad, run as fast as you can to tell the adults because she knows timing-wise it'll take them about 25 minutes or 15 to 20 minutes to get there. Um, so that's her plan, and Akala gives her the thumbs up, which is good, and then Faye takes her place at a vantage point uh, behind a boulder where she can't be seen but can see everything, and she decides if things start to go awry that she will be the one to handle the killing portion of this uh, skirmish, if needed. Yeah, uh, which is one badass, all right? Like, Faye, Faye's about that life, all right? That's mm. really cool. But at the same time, they they just spelled out why it's such a bad idea to, like, fight if this plan doesn't work. So the idea of, like, yeah, if things go south, I have my bow and arrows ready. N- no, you're ninjas. If it doesn't work, your and your plan is to do this from hiding. If it doesn't work, just run. <laughs> they're not going to see you. Like so, it's there's still there's still just that yeah. childlike that childlike thought process behind it. <laughs> yeah, we must stand in and fight. But the funny thing that happens is they get in the position. Everyone's in position except Omi's. Remember the dumb kid who wanted to uh, fight the twenty grown men. <laughs> Uh, that's him. And he was taking a bit longer to get his like vine wrapped around him so he could scale the tree properly. So he just figures it out and scurries up there. Uh, and then finally, Faye begins the screeching noise 
um, that's resembling the gray owls and maybe others follow. And they get a little boost in their favor. They get a little um, AOE effect where the environment around them, it starts to become windy, darker, and it starts howling and it's working in their favor to really scare these guys off. And the Navori kind of go back and forth on the decision. You know, they're standing in their place like, what the fuck? This is already a bad omen. We knew nothing was out here until the leader finally says, okay, you know what? Let's just leave. This was a bad idea. Uh, he gives up, gives the retreat order, says there's nothing to be found, and then they bounce. Yeah. Uh, this, uh, there's nothing more beautiful than a plan well executed, watching it come to fruition, saying that it worked just as intended. And now Faye is going to take a moment to celebrate. So she's like, hey, we did it, guys. And it's in this moment that she realizes why they got that extra boon in their favor. <laughs> and this is the part of the story where, like, reading it obviously is enjoyable. We've mentioned that a million times. But this was a turn I did not expect but totally makes sense in what's been going on. Uh, and then obviously bolsters the story concepts. Um, but – all the children begin falling from the trees. Like she doesn't see anybody responding to her saying, hey, we're done. Let's go home. Um, they begin falling with the vines wrapped more around them, almost like they're bundled up and tied against their will. And she notices that the valley's beginning to move under them. You have branches uh, tangling together. You have shrubs like moving along the ground, brushes moving along the ground. And it's starting to become this large twisting entity of entwined wood uh, and parts of this valley. And it is a corrupted spirit. And I did not think we would have a reference point in this episode for our Maokai episode. <laughs> but for you OG listeners, if you remember our Maokai episode, how this happens is explained in that. Obviously, that takes place in the Shadow Isles. But this is really cool to see happen here because if you have that information, this makes sense to you. Yeah, um, it, it's very good information to have. And it also does help to kind of put into perspective that, you know, the world of Runeterra itself doesn't always require a ruination to happen for things <laughs> like Maokai to come in, in, into existence. Yeah. But uh, it, this is also very good storytelling because one of the things that uh, Faye was telling um, was telling the kid, uh, I, I already forgot the dude's name. And Which was right in one? front of me. Uh, no, during her bow practice, where it's like, hey, we weren't supposed to be playing out in that on that oh, side Hiso. of the mountain. Yeah, because it, it's like, hey, Hiso, the you know that there's frequent landslides and stuff over there. Yeah. We were told not to stay away from there, and now we see that the landslides weren't completely natural. <laughs> like exactly. They, like, it's like, oh, there's there's evil spirits out here. That's what's causing <laughs> all of this. But well, fortunately for right now, it's just, you know, only grabbing kids and eating them. <laughs> <laughs> or trying to eat them. Uh, but this does confirm Faye's fears. So we go back to, you know, her internal conflict of, she went through all that trouble of being more adult about the situation, thinking about balance. But it was too late because... In the Southern Valley, uh, remember we referenced how the Navari were, they would usually be more stealthy, be more respectful of the brush they were walking through as they were doing their scouting, but they were just hacking away at things, careless, treating the environment like crap. This also played into the imbalance, um, which the result is the same. And now they have to deal with the spirit. So 
One thing that she's thankful for is she does have a special dust on her that's meant for warding off dark spirits. They usually coat their weapons in it, uh, but she only has several arrows. I think at this point, 13 arrows specifically. And she's like, okay, well, she begins firing. Uh, she frees some of the children with the arrows, uh, but as they escape, two more get caught again, and they begin to get dr dragged into or towards the maw that this creature has created for itself uh, to chomp down on some children, children in peril. He warned you. <laughs> I tried. I tried. <laughs> it's like me watching Made in Abyss all over again. Oh, no. <laughs> so... Suddenly, she notices Akali rushing towards the monster, the opposite of what was supposed to happen. Um, in a moment of shock, though, you know, Faye was concerned, but noticing that the tree was giving all its attention to Akali and still having trouble catching her. Once again, we talked about how her and Kenan constantly are playing tag um, without the tag part. But <laughs> this is, you're starting to see the fruits of his, what looks like just fun nature paying off. Akali is essentially faster than any of the other ch children when she's in the mode, right? Like in the zone. Yep. Uh, and we also do get to not only see like Akali just being Akali, but we get to see a bit of Faye. Like why, one of the reasons why Mame is uplifting Faye to be her successor, because during this, we're we're getting that inner monologue of Faye because it's still, she's still a 13 year old girl mm. basically, you know, fighting for her life and the lives of her friends. So we're getting that inner monologue and of this child struggling with that idea. But we're during that monologue, we're seeing the actual practice of the Kinku training of that Neo and Nie uh, in effect here, because it's, she is, She's got that monologue. She's struggling with it, but she keeps stamping it down and letting her training take over. Yeah. And that's the only reason that like this, that her, her bows or her arrows are finding their mark because of, of that practice. So it, it was perfect to have that little training bit before she got here because it sets the stage for the audience to really appreciate that. Yeah. Faye would be able to do this. Yeah. And it sets the stage for the audience that Akali would be faster than all the other kids because she's chasing Raiden. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and what is icing on top is that Faye and Akali start to notice that they're working very well together where Faye's finding her mark. So Akali's able to distract the monster now from eating the other children. And Akali would dodge, freeing other children as she could. And then Faye would shoot down any limbs or branches that got close to Akali. So it's working. Everything is working in tandem. But uh, this confidence doesn't last too long. Uh, there's a moment where the ground begins trembling again. A nasty vapor starts to be released. And Akali starts getting dizzy. And as she's getting dizzy and kind of slowing down, there's a wall of thrashing wood that seals her in this small little prison. Yeah. And the... And this is a point of the story, too, where for almost all of this, we've been going from Faye's perspective. And now during this just flurry of action, we're kind of going back and forth. Uh, like we are getting bits and pieces of Akali's uh, perception of this, too. Where, But with Akali, it's completely different. Like Faye is really dealing with this turmoil and anxiety, because which makes sense because she has taken on a leader role. Yeah. 
Akali has not taken on that role. So Akali is like, I am absolutely terrified for my life and my friends. And if it weren't for the fact that we could all die, this would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a roller coaster to her. Yeah, like she, she's she's riding. She is riding the just wave of emotions. So like, there, there's two different kinds of manic here. <laughs> <laughs> so phase jumping between these rocks where she is trying to make her way towards Akali while giving Akali and the kids a route to escape. Uh, she's getting low on arrows. As we mentioned before, she didn't start out with many. She only has three left at this point. The first one, she shoots blowing a, si a hole in the side of the prison that's created around Akali, allowing her to escape. The second shot she uses to deflect a giant fist that's going for Akali as she's escaping. But before she can get off the last one, an avalanche begins near her feet and she gets caught in it. So she gets hit by a bunch of rocks and when it comes to an end and the avalanche kind of settles, she's laying there shivering, buried amongst this, amongst this rubble and there's this taste of iron in her mouth. That's never good. Uh, and there's this intense burning sensation that's also bad, and then she looks down, the bow snapped, and her right leg is no longer there. It's just crushed pulp, and she begins to lose consciousness. Uh, so again, I mentioned Made in Abyss. So any other fans of Made in Abyss out there? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're doing this again to yourselves. But yeah, yeah, very much a Made in Abyss thing. Um, now to lighten the mood a little bit, uh, like, you know, flashback. Yeah. Uh, and by lighten the mood, it's being it's me being an a-hole. All right. Because flashback to me saying that they're dumb kids when she's like, yeah, if this if my plan goes south, I'll be the one to take the kill. Yeah. No, the plan should have been to run away. This is a point of the story where we finally figure out how many arrows she brought with her. And she brought 13. <laughs> and they counted 20. They counted 20 dudes. And she's like, if the plan goes south, I'll fight. You literally don't have enough arrows to kill them all. So, yeah, ki kids will be kids. <laughs> kids will be kids. Uh, this takes us to the part three of the story. Let's wrap things up. Where, you know, Akali is still in her mode, like like Hedge said, we're bouncing between perspectives, and she's dragging these two children now as she's moving, uh, and the monster is trying to follow her, and he begins uh, running in the direction of Faye, because that's where Akali's headed, as she's calling out for her, and then she notices her condition, and Akali finally drops back down to reality. She stops help helplessly, and the other two kids are screaming, because now the monster is standing over them as she's standing over Faye, and it's clutching her uh, kunai pendant around her neck, which was naturally given to her by her mother, um, feeling like this is it. We tried, but I, I think this is where it ends. And, and like, this is, this is one of the reasons that we keep chiming in that this is such good storytelling. Like they, the author does such a good job of really bringing you into the emotions of the characters here because the last scene that we had with the collie before all of this is happening is her is Faye returning from the meeting and the discord or zoom meeting whichever one of them sponsors our show it'll be that um <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Skype um so <laughs> All right, but the so like with that scene though, it was a colleague showing the the anxiety that well, 
I, I guess more the trauma and her reaction to it because she was storing her food and it's, and Akali's like, all I, I don't want anyone. I don't want to lose anyone again. And I don't want any of my friends and family to get hurt again. Never again. And that what snaps her back into reality, seeing the scene from made in abyss right in front of her. <laughs> and that's one, that's a hell of a way to get snapped back into reality. And it, now the stage yeah. is set for her to just get crushed by this spirit. But since she's a playable character and looking full grown <laughs> in the video game, something tells me she's not going to get crushed. <laughs> That <laughs> caught me off guard. <laughs> so we as, got him. As Hedge mentioned, suddenly a rain of kunai appeared, and Mame was on the creature, um, and ready to fucking pay back for what it's doing to the children. And you know, this what we're about to, the part we're about to go through now is very well done because they're going to give you something you expect in this style story. But the ending will not be how you expect it to be. And we'll tell you why. Um, and that makes it all the more better. But she shows up. And this is followed by Strikes of Lightning. So Raiden's here. Uh, and Kenan is too fast to be seen. Um, but he's assaulting the monsters as well. And they quickly dispatch this monster, uh, at least the physical form. Because, you know, they do this for breakfast. This is kind of their their bag. Uh, and then as quickly as they dispatch this monster's physical form, the man of the hour shows up, no longer meditating. Shen arrives and he pulls out that sick-ass arcane blade, um, slowly walks up to the monster and says, uh, I'm going to take care of this. <laughs> and then he disappears in a shimmer. I really, really like this because the... Like, the joke has constantly been that, you know, uh, Shen is the worst ninja ever. <laughs> um, and so then it's like, it, like we get we get this scene of Kenan doing Raiden things. Mm -hmm. So, like, the, you only know that Kenan's striking because there's just lightning exploding yeah. from the spirit. Uh, we get Mame showing why she is the Fist of Shadow, regardless of if she was ready to take over or not. Like Mame is a badass. Yeah. Like the the descriptions of what she's doing in this fight is awesome. And then it's like, okay, oh Shin shows up. Oh, he's pulling out the sick arcane blade. What's gonna happen? Shin's gone. <laughs> and and of course, like his role, his role is you know to like maintain. He is more focused on the spiritual world than the physical world, as far as the kinku are concerned. Which are the kinku yeah. are supposed to be maintaining balance, but the way they maintain balance is like one head is all spiritual and the other head's all physical. So of course he shows up as like, it's not over yet, but I'll make it over, and then he's gone because he's in the spirit realm. <laughs> and what this gives us, so. It, for people who haven't listened to the Shen episode yet, go listen to that. Um, we talk about how Shen starts to have an unhealthy relationship with the spirit, well, uh, the spirit realm, and in in his own personal conflict of balance, um, treating both realms equally, he uses the spirit realm to travel. So Kenan's just fast, but you remember at the mountain where he just shows up. Where do you think he came from? He's in the spirit realm most of the time, and then coming out to hang out when. So either he's med meditating, he's nowhere to be seen. Or doing anything. That's why it feels like Shen's always out of the loop or outside of what's going on because he's literally outside of what's going yeah. on. He's legitimately outside of the loop by choice. <laughs> 
thinking and outside what the, the box, quote unquote. And, and then the worst part of it all is that nine <laughs> times out of ten, what is he doing in the spirit realm? He's meditating. <laughs> I, so it, it's like the scene from Avengers. It's like the scene from the uh, from Avengers with uh, Doctor Strange, like looking through all the possible scenarios yeah. that could happen, uh, like leading into Endgame. <laughs> um, so like that scene with him floating there, eyes closed, just meditating. That's Shin, but literally throughout the whole saga. <laughs> like not just one, not just a scene in a movie. That's that's all the movies. Is Shin. <laughs> So Ken tells the kids that, you know, he's going to take care of this from the source, um, which is the spirit element of the corrupted spirit. And then Mame, you know, finally takes a look at Faye and is kind of speechless and emotionless as she goes over to the unconscious girl. And this is where we jump into the next scene where, you know, Faye wakes up finally in a village hut. So she's alive. You know, thank, thank goodness. Um, and she hears whispers outside from the other children kind of recounting the events to Mame, who Mame is kind of not believing what they're saying because they're really gassing Akali up. And she can't really believe it because although Faye is her mother, she's kind of absent, um, which is themes that we've talked about consistently, is she's more of a mother to Faye than she is Akali. So when Akali does things, it's just almost like another kid in the village, right? It's not my daughter. Um, not not to that extent of, you know, uh, disrespect, but just she's never paying attention. So as the kids are telling them what Akali was doing while Faye was down, she doesn't believe them, right? She's like, okay, you guys are gassing her up. Um, and Akali, you know, is excited to see Faye as she wakes up because uh, she's a child and she's scared and everything just happened and everything's probably rushing back um, because Faye is unconscious. She doesn't know what's going on. And when she awakes, yeah. you know, Akali jumps on her. She's like, hey, what's up? How are you feeling? Blah, blah, blah. And Faye immediately pushes her away and is just frustrated because as she's trying to sit up, she can't really get her balance. And it's because her leg is gone. Her right leg. Her right leg is severed below the knee. And, and like it, this, it's another point of like the storytelling being so good because like this scene really does help kind of reinforce why Mame doesn't treat her daughter like this, you know, like a very good acolyte. Like, you know, she's not recognizing Akali's martial talents. And it's likely because she feels the same way as Akali of, I don't want to lose anything again. And so like, who, who would you rather put into a, into a position that's constantly going to be at the headline of conflict? Your own kid or someone else's kid. Exactly. Like, like, so it's kind of it's it's rough. It's rough. Yep. But, uh, you know, let's dive into this conversation here, because uh, even though it's rough and I can empathize a little bit, I don't think Mame handled it well. <laughs> no. And, and this is where Mame's inexperience comes into play about her position conflicting with obviously being a, a single mother at this point. Um, and then also her position uh, as the Fist of Shadow. It's all coming to a head here. And this is also to replicate rep, or represent how Faye's been feeling up to this point of, oh shit, the adults don't have it figured out either. So Mame's struggling. And this whole scene here where, you know, Faye gets, gets angry at Akali, says it's all her fault, everything went to shit. 
She doesn't believe that, but she's angry, sad, and scared because her future is now gone. Everything she's been working for is gone. The future of things being too late before she could become part of the or the full order um, came to fruition in her eyes, right? Um, her fears were justified. Uh, and Mame's arriving just as this is happening as she scares Akali away. Akali runs. And then Mame kind of goes to Faye and makes this even harder because May starts to have her own doubts and apologizes to Faye for being a terrible teacher. She said she molded her mind incorrectly around everything that happened. She gave her a view of Shen um, that was negative, right? She gave her, she kind of fed into that. Um, she restricted her as far as, you know, pushing her to take action, even though that's what she's supposed to do for her job. And all of this is kind of, you're seeing all of Mame's frustration that we get off screen, but is represented through how Faye is frustrated, is coming to a head here at a very emotional moment for both, which is not something the ninjas usually do in the open like this. Yeah, and and it's very it's very interesting because like we again, like you said, this is emotions that Mame is experiencing off screen. Yeah, because on screen, none of what Mame is worried about and what she was feeling was represented. Because exactly. on screen, she was the one that was constantly telling Faye, "Like you need to slow down. You need to slow down, and you need to be patient." And then it's like, oh, I did a bad job. And I gave you a bad look at, uh, I made you look at Shin negatively, and I encouraged you to do too much. Yeah. Even though she was the only voice in there that was going, hey, chill. <laughs> yeah. Chill, kid. So it, it, it's kind of like that juxtaposition is weird, but it makes sense because this is such an emotionally charged conversation yeah. and an emotional moment for both of the characters. It makes sense that it's all just kind of bubbling up to a head. Uh, and it does end with her going like, look, even if we got to go outside of Ionia, we will find a way for you to walk again. And you are going to take my spot as the next Fist of Shadow. Uh, so it it is like a very beautiful and emotional scene as far as Mame and Faye just, you know, really showing their commitment to each other. And nothing of that is negative unless you are Mame's daughter and you're <laughs> watching the whole thing happen. Yeah, right because in front it's of also you. the first time they allow themselves to openly cry, right? That's been a theme yeah. where Faye's issue is that she takes sadness, immediately converts it to anger, and then makes poor decisions. Um, but here she's finally able just to let everything go um, because she feels she has nothing left, right? And yeah, Akali's standing in the doorway. She, she ended up coming back but witnessing this whole thing unfold. And to her, it's a level of – I mean she – her mother's already neglected the loving care that she felt she needed, and she's seeing that on display in front of her more than ever right now because she feels like she's never had her mother express that level of love at any point in her life to her, and she's only nine, right? And she Ugh. you know, starts crying, clutches her kunai again, and then runs off. And we're never told where she gets the kunai pendant from. I, have the, I originally thought it was from Mame. Based on everything that's been happening, though, I think it was from Tahoe, her father. Um, I think so, too. And the reason I think that is what we're going to talk about next. So that's where we wrap up. We get a bittersweet ending um, where yeah. the kids are all right. One is maimed. I, oh, my God. <laughs> I was going to make that joke. I was going to make that joke. But you I'm got so there. sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> This is what 100 episodes joke, does to you. you got there. <laughs> Go ahead, man. 
<laughs> take over, um, Hitch. Take over. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it is a very rough ending because yeah. we we have Faye who ends up maimed. Yeah. Um, and then Mame, uh, the Akali's mom, is being more nurturing towards Faye, which technically makes sense because if you think of it as like a single parent yeah. dealing with two kids, you gotta deal with the kid that's hurt more. Yeah. Um, and Faye is definitely hurt more here. But because of that, she's completely neglected the the current relationship between Faye and Akali because their relationship that it ends here shouldn't have to be that way because we and Faye even, you know, feels it in the dialogue there where it's like she doesn't mean what she's lashing out at Akali. She's just lashing out at the person that's there yeah. because she's hurt and she's angry. And we do know that when she's sad, because she's very sad right now, she turns that into anger. Mm -hmm. So she's just going to lash out at the first person there. But mm, quote unquote mom is not actually trying to mend that right now, which it plays into the inexperience. And that is, and that's what sets the stage for what we know later on is going to be Akali spending more time with Shin. Uh, we know that from Shin's story, uh, which if you haven't listened to that episode, you can check it out. Uh, it doesn't really cover a lot of Akali, but that's why Akali is Shin's apprentice. Yeah. It's because is because of this and god is that just heartbreaking <laughs> and listen we all know just from this akali is no eye of twilight that's just not a thing and that has no. its own issues listen we'll get to akali sooner or later they'll release yeah. her and we'll go back yeah hey hey the eye of twilight definitely needs to be you know a freebound spirit that has <laughs> that thinks that running around for her life is fun like that's that's what the eye of twilight's about yeah but what you do get a little bit from shen's story and a little bit from even jin's story which is a fun time Time, so definitely go listen to that um, to see the interactions between Shen and Zed in that situation. But um, Akali is a part of that big mission, and Shen is very protective of her, um, despite his very off-putting nature. And that, along with her relationship with Kenan, makes it very complex, where it's, it's very rare in a story <clears throat> where you have a character lose a parent have the other parent kind of be despondent and there be two other figures there that kind of fill a role despite you still having a parent. Remember, Faye's the one that lost both parents, right? But Kenan and Shen almost become her like replacement proxy father uh, despite her mother being very involved in the organization she's a part of. It's very interesting there and very complex on what we end up developing as this, you know, the popular coalition of ninjas in this game. Yeah. And, and it's really cool because a lot of the things that we get covered in the bios, like the, and this really highlights why Ryan and I were so excited to dive into these kinds of episodes is because the bios just kind of give you facts. Yes. And like, like specifically with Kenan's bio, it's like the fact is that Kenan thought that, that the next fist of shadow should be a collie. Yeah. All right. And that's it. That's all you get from the bio. And it's like, so why why didn't Akali become the Fist of Shadow? Especially since we know from the bio that the Fist of Shadow, like Akali is the daughter of the Fist of Shadow. Why wasn't that the natural conclusion? And the the reason that it wasn't is very complex. Like there's this very complex relationship between Mame and Akali for whatever reasons why Mame kind of stays at a distance when it comes to Akali, but not only is she staying at a distance, there's an orphan 
of her best friend that she feels like she it she feels like she needs to take more care of her and also that Faye should be the next fist it's like there's she sees something in Faye that's like no this is going to be a better fit than a collie will be and and then we know that it's like oh well but Kenan wanted a collie to be the next fist Kenan wasn't really trying to like force it in because he knows that's not his place he's just you know in his own way kind of in a sense training a collie to be to be a very strong warrior like in his own way kind of training her there and he's very gently kind of suggesting hey maybe you should look outside of Faye like it's not a ham-fisted thing of like nope it should be a collie I have set my foot down I am the I am the heart of the tempest. Like, you know, there's a lot of different political intrigue. And this story really highlights on that where you don't get that in the bios. Yeah. And that's why we're excited to go into these stories because that's a, there's a lot going on in just a relationship between these ninjas right here, these head ninjas. Yeah. And you know, the, out of all the themes we've mentioned constantly throughout these two parts, balance is the big one, right? It's always, you know, balancing the fact of how Mame treats Akali versus Faye. There's an imbalance there. The imbalance between Shen's presence in the mortal realm versus the spirit realm. The imbalance of the actual internal conflicts and external conflicts. That's the part that makes Kenan so busy is that he has to maintain that in all these aspects. And he tries his best, right? There's only so much Kenan to go around um, regardless of how fast he can do it. Um but that's that's the biggest theme out of all this, and that's the point you should focus on when you understand everything that's happening. And this is what gives, you know, branching off from imbalance is what gives this area of the world so much density when it comes to story. Like, this stuff could be its own book, right? Oh, easily. Easily. Because, again, like, not only could this stuff be its own book, like, you could write – you could easily write a book just following the, the kinku – after the betrayal right like that there's tons of content there and again that's just the kinku we're not looking at the i we're not looking at the resistance under irelia we're not looking at how that resistance is coinciding with karma we're not looking at the vestaya who are forming up their own kind of rebellion amongst like the other mortals there to like take care of themselves and we aren't even looking at the living weapons that come out of ionia here like this is just one piece of ionia and there's tons that is going around centering the kinku order and so yeah like this is one of the reasons that we get so stoked about this stuff because there's tons of content here (laughs) exactly and as we talked about in our Jin episode how do we get Jin? to Piltover. And what this story gives us from the canon aspect and the uh, Kinku aspect is how do we get the Kinku to Piltover and vice versa? Well, if you know, in Piltover, there are people with missing limbs. There are, they're ahead of this, ahead of the curve when it comes to um, enhanced cybernetics and enhanced parts. Who needs a leg? You know, yeah. For for the Legends of Terra fans yeah. out there, uh, Piltover would definitely be the place to look at because, to quote a voice line, uh, hey, 
I lost an arm, so I got a new one. <laughs> oh no, I broke my arm, so I got a new one. <laughs> like yeah, like for for Piltover, for the Piltovians and the Zonites, yeah, that's a Tuesday. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then the icing on the cake here is that you know we we joke about Ken Ken and Bean Raiden, and. Part of that is we've talked about at length Heimer's importance, both from the arcane show perspective and what we have in the story. And his importance in Piltover is a mimic of Kennen, right? And to have those two interact, one being obviously from a technology side, one from a spiritual side, um, would be very cool and would make sense because remember, they're both Yordles. Uh, wink, wink, nod, nod. Wink, wink, nod, nod. But also, they they hold very powerful positions within their societies. Yes. Uh, granted, Cannons is much more from the shadows. Uh, Heimerdinger is thanks to Arcane. We know now uh, he is not in the shadows. Yeah. When when it comes to that, but since they do have such influence within their organizations and within the civilizations that are built around those organizations, they any interactions between those two could have a lot of different political effects uh, to both the city of Piltover and the land of Ionia. Um, and then, uh, and we know that any kind of political strife between like those two uh, civilizations would be very entertaining because Kenan would just be on the side going, but the spirits. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then there's also the chance that, like, if they were to ever meet and have that conversation, that, like, the conversation would get cut short with Ziggs just chucking a bomb at them. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, I, I, would, I would absolutely love to kind of see that, that conversation, even if they are Yordles. Yeah, and it, it would make sense also because, as we talked about in Jin's episode, there's a hunt for Jin, and he could be in Piltover. Um, so that would also give you a little bit of crossover. But... You know, we, we digress. Uh, we promised you 40 minutes. We gave you 40 minutes. And this is the first time we've done like a part two of a mainline story since I think Sentinels of Light, the comic. We did a part two way so, back yeah. when, um, which yeah. is another fun time with a lot of information. Yeah, yeah. That was the last time we did a part two. Um, and and if, if you did enjoy, you know, like having two episodes uh, branching out from these longer stories, hit us up and let us know uh podcast uh podcast core at gmail.com like the we we enjoy doing this kind of stuff and we enjoy these stories because there is a lot in there and we enjoy the content so if this is something that you enjoy listening to let us know because maybe we can dive into it and i know that ryan is sick and tired of listening to me beg for us to talk more about the gin hunt so <laughs> Like, you know, like you just give us that feedback so that I have more ammunition to throw at him when I want to cover these in our, in our Discord meeting. <laughs> Sponsor us, Discord. <laughs> and with that, as always, thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon with another mainline episode. Yeah. Take care, everybody.